We can't understand who Jesus is if we don't understand the Old Testament. A lot of the time as Christians, as Catholics, we kind of focus on the New Testament and who Jesus is, which is very important, right? I I encourage you, if you want to read Scripture, to not start with Genesis and try to read through the Bible. Start with the Gospels, okay? The Gospels are the easiest to read, the first kind of a good way to start. But in order to fully understand the Gospels, in order to fully understand who Jesus is, we need to understand the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament isn't something that is completely arbitrary and cut off from where we are today. But it is the way that Jesus provided, or that Jesus, well, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity who was acting, although not human yet. So Jesus, God, uh, also worked and started to prepare humanity and the entire world to come to understand who God is in the fullness of time with the coming of Jesus Christ who fulfills everything that is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. There are many prophecies in the Old Testament that the Jewish people in Jesus' time had no idea what to make of. The first and primary example is the first reading that we read today which to a Jewish person of, at Jesus' time really makes no sense whatsoever. Here is this person who's going to be of infirmity and take on the sins and die, but yet be honored and his descendants will be glorified and he'll be exalted, but it'll also be crushed in infirmity. And it, and it really doesn't make any sense because that's not the way that the Jews understood the way that God Interacted, right? They're, they're working with this, this prefigurement to who Jesus is. In the Old Testament and throughout all of history, humanity has this part written into us that we need, we understand that we're not God and that we need to offer and communicate with God in some way because we need help here on earth. And so if you look at any culture, we'll always see priests, And we'll always see sacrifice. It's kind of just inborn into into our humanity that as we realize that there's something more, we need somebody to lead us to God, to stand between God. Because because we don't, a lot of the time, uh, especially in the Old Testament, we see it. And in other times, you need somebody who's just focusing on coming to understand God, who's able to stand as a bridge between God and the people In the Old Testament, we see the way that the priest kind of stands in is that the people don't want to interact with God. If you read the Old Testament, it's very fascinating. It's, you know, Moses is there and he's like, well, why don't you all talk to God? And they're like, no, 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 we don't want to talk to God. We want you to talk to God and then tell us what he says because we are too afraid, right? And so that priesthood is set up for to help the people. In other cultures, we see it as well, right? There's kind of the, the, the expert, right? The, the uh, guru, right? The spiritual guru, the priest, who stands and kind of interacts in that way. And the other side, we also have also within kind of this inborn is, is this sacrifice. That we understand that everything is a gift from God in some way and that we need to offer some sacrifice to God. You see it in every culture, whether it's small sacrifices, right? You see in the Indian, uh, Indian culture where, you know, right, if, if you kill something, you offer a little bit to God, right? The first fruits are to God. We see within the Aztec culture, right, to the extreme where there's human sacrifices. We see it in every single culture. 
where there's this seems to this innate need to offer sacrifice to God. In the Old Testament, it's offered through bulls and goats and sheep in different ways. But the Old Testament, of course, prefigures and foreshadows in a way more perfect than other cultures who weren't, who although foreshadow and certainly show that deep human need, aren't guided as much as the Israelite culture in that prefigurement. A few of the things within a Jewish culture that we should understand is that sacrifice, that priesthood, which stands between God and man, and then that, that sacrifice to God to be able to give thanksgiving to God. But they also realized very early that it wasn't just the removed sacrifice. Within the Psalms, one of the beautiful lines is, is that God doesn't desire Holocaust sacrifices, but He desires a humble and contrite heart. Now we can see those things as opposed sometimes, right? Either you offer a sacrifice of a bull, or you offer a sacrifice of a contrite heart. But a Jewish person understood that in in its fullness, that it wasn't diametrically opposed. Either you offer a sacrifice of an animal, or you sacrifice the contrite heart. But actually you can do it together, right? If you just offer the bull, the sacrifice that's external to you, that it doesn't matter, it's a terrible sacrifice. But if you offer that as a humble and contrite heart, offering to God, it is something more. Within it, there was also uh, one day each year called Yom Kippur, which is important for us to understand in in Jesus' time. Because in Yom Kippur, they took two goats, and one of them, they kind of rolled dice to see which one would be which. One of them was sacrificed... And the other one, the priest laid all the sins of Israel upon. The one that was sacrificed, the blood was sprinkled to cleanse. And the one that all the sins were laid on was sent out into the desert to die in obscurity. Now here we have this sacrifice, this victimhood. We have this priesthood which understands and knows how to act. Or is that bridge between God and man? Jesus comes... And instead of having the sacrifice as one and the priesthood as separate, he comes as the perfect priest because he is God and man. He comes as that perfect bridge because he is God and he is man and he can be that perfect high priest for what we need. But it's not in just the priesthood that he comes. He also comes to fulfill the sacrifices. All the sacrifices of the Jewish time, they understood, weren't complete. They weren't full enough. They weren't necessary enough. Every single year, every single day, they had to offer sacrifices again. Every single year, they had to offer Yom Kippur and put all the sins upon Him. Jesus comes, and He comes also as the sacrifice, as the victim. And in that fulfills the Old Testament which only foreshadowed it. That all the sins of Israel, all the sins of the entire world are put upon him and he is crushed in iniquity. He is sacrificed. But it's not an external sacrifice, right? It's a sacrifice of a will, of a contrite heart. It's a sacrifice of love. We sometimes speak that Jesus did uh, suffer the most out of any human person. But he didn't sacrifice the most necessarily in just physical pain and the fact that his crucifixion was the most brutal. There have been very brutal deaths, right? We know that. 
But what made Jesus' sacrifice so particularly perfect was that his heart, his contrite heart, his humble heart, his will was completely united with the sacrifice. That when we get hurt, we turn away from our suffering and try to avoid it. But Jesus entered into that suffering and perfectly received it and entered into it and allowed that sacrifice to not be wasted in trying to avoid the suffering, but instead was able to perfectly unite it and offer it in love as the perfect sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, we have the priesthood, we have the victims, we have the sacrifice. Jesus brings those two together within his priesthood. For myself, as an ordained priest... um, Bishop Fulton Sheen, Venerable Fulton Sheen, speaks about this greatly, and I just love that when he speaks about it, is that a priest, rightfully so, if, a good, if you're a good priest, you should be both priest, standing as mediator between God and men, and also as a victim, offering up sacrifice for the people. And that's part of the reason, in some ways, why the priest is celibate. Not because marriage is bad, but because offering up a sacrifice with a willing and contrite heart and love as a sacrifice. It's part of the reason why religious live in a more perfect state of, of Christianity because they offer up that sacrifice of poverty, chastity, and obedience. It's this sacrifice that is united with this prayer and unity with God that makes our priesthood. Now, as an ordained priest, I have a certain way of living that out. But we also have all have an ordinary priesthood in a way as well. That we also participate in Christ's priesthood in the way that we engage it. Certainly differently than the priest. The priest is called to offer sacrifice and intercession in a certain way, in a different kind than all of you. But, but all of us are called to enter into that priesthood of Jesus Christ. Not make a separate priesthood, not make a separate sacrifice, but to enter into that sacrifice with Jesus Christ who offers the perfect sacrifice as both priest and victim. We realize that we can sometimes focus so much on what Jesus does for us and kind of say, well, look at, you know, and we should act out of gratitude for what he offered to us. But we would be silly to think that all that he does everything and I don't participate at all in that, right? He does it and great, now I'm good, uh, don't need to worry about anything. But we understand that we have to participate, that we cooperate in our salvation as well. We don't do it without God, but we also, God doesn't do it without us. That without our participation, we don't participate. Without God's grace, we can't merit salvation. We need both God and our willing and contrite heart. That no sacrifice is without its merit if we unite it to Jesus Christ. That we are called to intercede on behalf of the world and behalf of other people and offer up sacrifice in that as well for others' sins, for others' failures, and for our own. Jesus Christ is the perfect priest. He's the perfect victim. He's the perfect sacrifice. We come here on Good Friday. I always find that interesting. It's Good Friday. Well, what's so good about it, right? It's one of the worst acts that the world has ever seen, that we killed God who came to to be with us. 
But yet we call it good because He merits our salvation this day. That this day, He is able to transform all sacrifice. He, he confirms uh, and, and fulfills all the Old Testament. That all suffering is redeemed in this moment. And that we ourselves can enter into that. In a moment, we'll have the solemn intercessions which are interceding on behalf of all those and encourage you, right? We exercise our priesthood, our standing between God and men to intercede on behalf of others. And then at the end of Mass, we'll get an opportunity to venerate the cross and I encourage you to offer all of your sacrifices, all the ways that you're hurt, all those ways which you feel a victim and don't allow those victims or those suffering to overcome you, but allow it to be united to Jesus Christ in that so that it might be redeemed. Jesus Christ is priest and victim. Ordained priests are priests and victim. And you yourselves, as people of God, as baptized Christians who live out Christ's priesthood, kingly office, prophetic office, also are called to both be priest and victim.